We're excited to tell you about Pine Tree Garden Seeds, a women-run, family-owned and operated business since 1979, founded with the simple mission of offering low prices on quality seeds to the home gardener. Over the years, offerings have expanded to include over 1,300 varieties of seeds, including many heirlooms and organics, a huge assortment of tools and gardening gear, and lots of new gardening books. They also offer roots, plant starts, and tubers, berry bushes, asparagus roots, onion sets, hops, fig trees, sweet potatoes, dahlias, peonies, lilies, and a whole new selection of fall flower bulbs. Located in Maine, they operate out of a 300-year-old farmhouse and strive to offer the best service and products with a personal touch. They continue to hand pack more than half of their seeds and rely on their Ballard machine from the 1890s to do the rest. So order your seeds today from superseeds.com and use the promo code GOODDIRT2024 for 20% off your entire order. That's superseeds, S-U-P-E-R-S-E-E-D-S.com with our code GOODDIRT2024. Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Welcome to a special episode of the Good Dirt podcast. Usually we reserve solo episodes, so one without an interviewee, for our bonuses. But we thought that we would add a few more of these just into the general rotation of Friday episodes. So today it's just my mom and I chatting a little bit about a very general topic that we like to chat about here about slow living and what it is and answering some of your questions all in prep for the slow living challenge, which is coming up next month. It's something that we do every year and we'll tell you all about it. And yeah, we're excited to dig in. Yes. And good morning, everybody. So in thinking about this episode and what we wanted to discuss, I was just thinking about a few things. Well, first of all, we did ask you guys on Instagram for some input as to your thoughts about slow living and some things that come up for you around that. And also, I thought that you and I should check in about our own experience with slow living mom and what we think about it and how we are going about it. And yes, I think that that might be something that we maybe forget to talk about from time to time because we're always asking other people about their experience with it. 
So I certainly have a lot to share. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I don't think I'm very good at slow living. It's certainly something that I strive for. and something that I've gotten better at. And you know, not that it's about being good or bad at it, but it is something that I, it is a goal that I feel that I am constantly working toward, sometimes achieve it. So yeah, what do you think about it, mom? I think what's interesting about you and I being able to talk about it like this is that we come from different phases of life and we sort of represent two very different points of view on the whole thing regarding time and responsibilities and jobs and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's kind of fun for us to compare what we're going through and how we perceive these things. Yes. And I think that's a really important point to make because for anyone listening, your experience is so different from the next person and from our experience and something like how to live life is something that we're all trying to figure out. And we're all looking to each other for answers. Well, how do you do it? What are your tips and tricks? And yeah, just the disclaimer that everyone's situation is so different, but we have very similar experiences across the board. So the goal of this podcast in general and these conversations and being open about how things are going is if you find something that resonates and that sounds like it might help you, go ahead and take it. If you hear something that sounds completely unrelatable and not helpful, that's fine too. You don't have to take it. We're not claiming to solve any big problems here. We just want to share our own experiences and maybe pull back the curtain a little bit. I just think in general, there's this idea that like everybody else has it figured out and you're the one who doesn't or something. (laughs) And I, I don't, I haven't found that to be true. Yeah. I guess to start out, mom, for you personally, what does slow living mean? And has it shifted for you at all over the past few years? Well, you know, when we started out Lady Farmer in 2016, we just really sort of organically came up with the tagline, sowing seeds of slow living. And I think we had sort of a general idea of what we were talking about and wanting to get at. And we really dove into that from several angles, food, clothing, spaces, the things we live around. And what amazes me now is how relevant that still feels and what an evolving concept that is as I personally walk through the years and the different experiences that come up in life, the different situations. It's just something that ever since we started Lady Farmer, I've carried closely with me and I see it as something to work on constantly. It's not something that's ever going to be achieved. Like I'm not going to wake up one morning and go like, hey, I'm, I'm really living slowly right now. You learn little bits and pieces as you go. Sometimes you put them all together better than others. It's a process. It's fun. It's fascinating. And I think it's really helpful in managing everyday life and all the different scenarios and circumstances that we're all going to encounter if we're lucky enough to live on the planet. So which life is a wonderful privilege and the challenges are a part of it and how we meet those challenges determine, I think, you know, how we feel from day to day. So anyway, what I've come to think of as slow living is really, it's a state of mind. It's a way you approach things that occur. It's a way you move through your day. And some days are easier to embrace slow living than others, obviously. But to keep it there as a goal, as a standard, as a guide, I should say, I think it's a way of being present in the moment, evaluating how 
you're feeling in the moment, deciding what can be done about it to make yourself feel better, to shift a little bit, to shift to a better place, to try to avoid being overwhelmed. So I think a big part of slow living is being close to nature, being aware to nature, living within the rhythms of the seasons, which is why we talk so much about slow living through the seasons and why I have a podcast called Slow Living Through the Seasons, because I think this is a really important aspect of the whole concept. So what does it mean to you? I think I agree with everything you said. I also think about it like an alternative way of thinking, a way to sort of untangle from the, I don't know how else to say it in this moment, but like the productivity trap or the expectations around what you should be doing in a day or how you should be engaging with an experience or how there might be an option to do something a little faster and a little cheaper, but stopping long enough to think sort of, you know, what's the payoff in that and is faster and cheaper always better. So I guess what I'm getting at is, to me, slow living is everything you said. And also, it is a sort of a a quest for an alternative way of doing things that just comes from a slightly more centered and connected place. Something else I wanted to add here, our friend Stephanie O'Day, who we had on the podcast, I guess, over 18 months ago now, almost two years ago now, and she will be returning in just a couple of weeks for a follow-up interview. This is kind of a weird coincidence. I was searching for something else in my email the other day, and this email from her popped up with one of her newsletters from the fall, where she said, someone asked me recently to define slow living, so here's my stab at it. So from Stephanie O'Day, who hosts the Slow Living Podcast, she says, Slow living is all about emphasizing the importance of taking things slow and enjoying life's simple pleasures. It's about making deliberate choices and focusing on what truly matters rather than constantly rushing through life and trying to do as much as possible in as little time as possible. This often includes things like spending time in nature, being mindful and present in the moment, reducing stress, and simplifying one's life by decluttering and focusing on what is truly important. The goal of slow living is to cultivate a sense of balance, contentment, and well-being, and to live a more fulfilling and meaningful life. So I think you and I just said many things in there, and that sums it up well, too. I think that for me personally, I have learned over the years that, to your point, it's hardly something that's achieved in a moment and you say, oh, I got there. I'm slow living now. Sometimes that happens, little moments of delight. but. It doesn't mean that maybe the next day you'll have a hard time getting there or you'll forget, you know, how you got there. It's one of those life things that we think we only have to figure it out once, but I think it's a daily and lifelong journey. So that's fun. I like your word quest. Yeah. All those things that we've said and and what Stephanie said, we're going to we're going to flesh out a little bit here and, and, and talk about more specific things that apply and the challenges that come up every day that are obstacles to where we want to be. And I think one thing, one thing to ask too is with slow living, you know, we incorporate a lot of things. We incorporate mindfulness. We incorporate, you know, a respect for the earth and trying to be kind to the earth and health and all these things. So many aspects of it. It's hard to hit on all of them, but just again, to circle back around, it's just, it's kind of an approach. A mindset. I think the bottom line is to f- go through our days more peacefully and more connected and more centered, as we've been saying. So, how do we do that? Yeah. And something that just popped in my head since I have, in this very moment, 
I'm feeling very, just with the way the winter has gone with things in our family and my heat being broken for two weeks and I'm getting over the flu and things in my husband's family. Just I just, for many reasons, feel like I've had various, I'm using air quotes, projects and things around the house that in my living space that I feel are coming between me and living more slowly. And so I'm noticing that a lot of my time is spent with a little bit of anxiety around, you know, that corner has a few things that I need to give away or put away or kind of deal with. The table over there, I have a project laid out over it that I'm not going to put away until I finish it because I need to finish it (laughs) and things like that. And so I'm instead in this state of frantic, I can't slow down yet because I got to like finish all this stuff first and then I can slow down. And the clutter, as Stephanie refers to, and and we've mentioned it here too, and just how you surround yourself. Of course, we all kind of know that a calmer space makes you feel calmer, helps you move through things calmer. But again, it's a quest and we're not always there. And so maybe the trick and the key here, at least for me, I'm speaking personally, is figuring out how to do the slow living in the mess or for lack of a better word, in the process, right, of getting to that place where my physical space is a little bit more in tune with how I want to be internally. So to your point, it really is a mindset. And if I think to myself, well, I can't slow down and have slow living until I have cleared up this clutter area, then I am missing the point. I have a response to that. Oh, please. In talking about our own barriers to slow living, our own daily barriers, I was going to say stuff is a big one for me. Yeah. You know, speaking to my age and stage of life, I want to say how I've become aware of this. There's this arc, you know, you go from a young person and you and you have hopes and dreams and you move into young adulthood. And there is this period of building and acquiring. There's this kind of cultural expectation to get set up, you know, to get settled, we call it. Find your partner, start your family or launch your career or get that piece of property or whatever it is for whoever. It's individual thing. You know, you're, you're striving for that and then you move through that and you get there and you you live life and you go through a couple of decades and whatever. And then you get to this place where you, for me, I'm speaking from experience, I realized that the acquisition phase needs to slow down. You know, there's enough stuff. There's enough acquiring. And it's time to get rid of stuff. As you know so well, in the last couple of years, we've been managing my parents and your grandparents' belongings from their big house that they were in for three decades, and then again from a smaller place. And so I guess all this is to say is stuff, objects, has been a big theme for me in the last two or three years in really looking at it carefully and saying, what do I need? I certainly don't need to acquire anything. So having said that, a response to what you just said about, you know, look around and being overwhelmed and say, I can't feel settled. I can't feel peaceful Mm -hmm. in this moment until I do that. Okay. Here's the advice, two words, go micro. And that would be when you feel that sensation of being unsettled, frustrated, can't move forward. And you just, you know, the the impulse, I think, is to just walk right past it. Sometimes you have to because you definitely have to go do something. But what I mean by go micro is 
take the smallest little thing, like it might be a pencil container. It might be one shelf. It might be one little container inside the junk drawer. Any one thing. And time yourself. Don't give yourself more than five minutes. But deal with that thing. And I promise you, there is a reward in that. You will feel different. You will shift. That feeling of overwhelm will dissipate in even the tiniest little bit. But what you've done is you've shown yourself the power over this. And there might be a million other little drawers and spaces and things that you feel cluttered and overwhelmed by. But just go micro and set aside, set the timer five minutes and deal with one of those spaces and it will help you. I have this idea that I haven't started it yet, but it's it's an idea that I, I want to implement and I'm going to do it. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, I'm going to start it and I'm going to report back. But anyway. Take a period of time, maybe I'm going to say like a month. And every day of that month, I'm going to do one of these little micro chores and see how it adds up. Oh, like a 30 day, like a slow yeah. living challenge. Oh, yeah. But a real specific yeah, one. A specific one. That yeah, can be part and, of know, the slow living challenge if you need it to be. Yeah, like a specific clutter targeted slow living challenge, like a daily five minute space targeting, even the smallest of spaces. And usually I get into it and do a little more than I thought I was going to do. And it's even more rewarding. Well, I guess what I I guess what I'm thinking with it all is that something that has never literally never occurred to me is that the act of doing the decluttering as opposed to just a means to an end of slow living in a way could be the slow living. Actually, part of slow living and and being mindful in the moment is doing the work of that. Even if it's not as relaxing, kick up your feet, the mindfulness of of spending the time with the objects that you have so mindlessly probably (laughs) accumulated. And just the process of that, of being more mindful in that process really helps to shift the way that you are bringing things into your space because this is a cyclical problem, right? And the more that you connect with that which has accumulated too much and overwhelmed you, the more that you are not inclined to bring new things into your space. That has proven itself over the years. And, oh, that's so true. And it brings up another aspect of slow living that I, that I think we need to emphasize. And, and that is like slow living's not about just sitting around with your feet up and sipping your tea or whatever. It certainly, hopefully, is part of it. But when we talk about slow living, we're really not talking about just kicking back all the time. It's more about being conscious and mindful and present in the moment. And certainly, certainly taking the time to slow down and pay attention to your surroundings and thoughtfully discern what you need and want around you and what can be set aside or whatever is a really important part of it. So yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, taking the five minutes to take a micro space and figure it out. Going off of some audience input that we got, we had several answers around the slow living question regarding living intentionally and peacefully and being outside. Lots of slow living for many, many people involves being outside, which makes sense. Another aspect of the idea of slow living, I think, is is being more connected with nature and the rhythms of nature and remembering that we are nature and we do have seasons of rest and hibernation and things like that. And then there's certain times where our own productivity is just completely baffling to even ourselves. I have days like that. I'm like, how did they do all that stuff today? And that's just because... Sometimes nature works really hard in spurts too. And that's just how it is. It's not necessarily these 
systems of time and logic that we've that we've put on top of things. To that point, a big barrier for many people would be a day job or something that keeps them away from their home nine to five or probably even more so a, a strange irregular schedule. Something might have you away nights, something might affect your sleep. And so that's a big barrier for many folks. I have experienced that as well, the job and the needing to to make money, sort of getting in the way of your life. And that's something that we definitely don't have an answer to, except that slow living is, again, it's a moment by moment quest, I guess. It's a moment by moment opportunity to incorporate and maybe shift a mindset wherever you are and however you're spending that time. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have a perfectly clutter-free house that you get to sit in and kick up your feet and drink tea all day in necessarily. <laughs> would be nice. It might mean that at your day job or whatever job, you might find connecting with another human to be very grounding and inspiring. And yeah, I guess it's really just mindfulness kind of wherever you are. And starting there will ripple its way out into being able to find and enjoy peace more when you are able to to be at home and to create your physical spaces in the way that are most conducive to your living slow. Here are some things we love about Pine Tree Garden Seeds. For one thing, they're lady farmers. It's a woman-owned and woman-run company. 85% of their staff is female. And they've recently switched to a more sustainable envelope to ship seeds. Their new mailers are completely recyclable, made of paper and a cushioning material that is specifically designed to easily separate from the paper fibers during the repulping and recycling process. They're also longtime members and supporters of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association and signers of the Safe Seed Pledge, promising to never knowingly sell any GMO seeds. They do germination testing throughout the year on every single seed variety they carry so they can stand behind their viability guarantee. Pine Tree Garden Seeds is meant for every level of expertise, for the yard artists, the backyard growers, the herb explorers, the bouquet builders, the habitat curators, and beyond. They're committed to helping you get the most out of your home garden by providing high-quality garden seeds, plants, and supplies at an affordable price. Get your spring garden going today by ordering your seeds from superseeds.com and using our promo code GOODDIRT2024 for 20% off your entire order. That's S-U-P-E-R-S-E-E-D-S.com with our code GOODDIRT2024. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here is time and full schedule and most of us feel like our schedule's full, whatever our circumstances are. You know, you have you have kids, you have your job, you have responsibilities, you have all these things. I want to say that I don't have a house full of kids anymore and I work from home and I don't have a lot of places I need to be at a certain time. Occasionally I do, but it's not every day, certainly like it used to be, like when all the kids were around and so forth. So why do I feel like I'm short of time? That doesn't really add up. The point being, and we talk about this in our in a recent bonus episode, we talk about how time is really a construct and how we approach it is so important. And it's so we can shift it. We can literally shift it without really shifting anything in our lives. We can shift it just by thinking about it differently. And maybe some of you out there are going, oh, but you don't know the things I have to do. Well, 
Of course, everybody's different in their extreme circumstances. And your situation might be way, way different from mine. But I guess what I'm getting to is that I think everybody can relate to the experience of not having enough time. And so what can you do about it? Again, I'm going to say go micro. <laughs> like you were just saying, I'm going to take the moments, look for relief in a moment. And I think it's a great time to remind ourselves to pay attention to your senses as you go through the day. You know, in the morning when you're driving to the job that you feel like takes up all your time, notice, you know, notice the sunshine, notice the scenery on the way, you know, anything that's pleasant on the way, you know, when you get there, what do you see out the window? Can you go get a cup of coffee and enjoy that? Can you enjoy interaction with another human being? Just notice, take 30, 45 seconds to just gaze, to pause, to breathe, anything to bring yourself out of the big picture into the small picture and into any pleasant, uplifting moment to bring some light into your day. Bring some slow living, bring some time, bring some pause, breath. Definitely. That also kind of relates to another barrier that came up from audience input and is one that I experienced myself. And that's anxiety. And we are certainly not here to tell you how to not have anxiety. That's a different job. We're not qualified, but it's a real barrier to being able to experience these things. But I will say everything you just said about noticing, observing, kind of taking a minute to get outside your own head, all that stuff, in my experience, absolutely helps with anxiety and are things that someone more qualified to help you with anxiety might tell you about. It's just about getting out of your brain for a minute. And I do think that to what we're saying about the time thing where we feel like we can't do slow living because we don't have time or we can't do slow living because the house is cluttered or we can't experience slow living because we have anxiety. The irony is that living slowly will actually help us with all of those things. So just thinking about it like that in the anxiety or whatever you're feeling is the barrier between you and living slowly. Maybe it's not a barrier. Maybe it's actually a doorway that you're being asked to step through and engage with and think about a little bit differently. I like that. I think anxiety is something everybody can relate to as well. And, you know, sometimes we need extra help with anxiety. There's no shame in that at all. But with the world the way it is, with all the pressures and everything and the responsibilities, it's just something that is very, very common. We also had one more about kids and wanting to be present with them. And not always in the kitchen is what the specific person said. So what I am inferring from this comment is that this person is in the kitchen a lot because they're probably trying to cook a lot of food from scratch and provide healthy food for their family. And that is an aspect of slow living that is super important and valid. And it's also one that connected with time and limited resources of time and energy. Cooking can take a lot of time. I think about in the olden days, a lot of people were either full-time cooks for other people or they had full-time. Like it's just, that was a job for someone and it still is a job for many people, but I mean more domestically in the home, which is just, it's baffling to me that now with the, in our modern age and in the age of conveniences, we're just expected to be able to do everything by ourselves because we supposedly can. So as you said, Emma, we talk about the food 
as a really important aspect of slow living because when you're eating and preparing real food, you know, food that's not all processed and doesn't have a bunch of sugar and food that's like super nourishing, it helps us. It helps our brains. It helps our bodies feel better. And as many of us have learned, you know, when we eat badly, we don't feel good. So that time barrier, that that sense of there's too much to do is often such an obstacle to eating well. And that's why we, well, we talk about real food so much on this. And we talk about people whose life work it is to try and improve our soil and improve our food nutrients so that we can all eat better, which is an important aspect of a life of peace and well-being and health. So practically speaking, how do we do that in our busy lives? I'll repeat something we say so often is pay attention to the source of your food. Join a CSA or shop at your farmer's market or shop in your supermarket where, you know, try to get the most local and organic or sustainably grown things that are offered wherever you can find them and do whatever you can. Cook simply. When you have real food ingredients, you don't have to do a lot to it. Soup and stew and things that can be eaten for several days. Think in terms of that. Think in terms of low prep, high nutrition eating and try incrementally in small ways to shift away from thinking you have to eat highly processed foods or takeout foods. And over time, in our experience, we have seen how it does make a difference in the way we feel. And it does get easier as well. It does get easier. It can feel like a big adjustment, but it does get easier. There are really practical things you can do to sort of reconcile this, this idea of it just takes a lot more time and a lot more focus and planning. One of our favorites, again, to bring up Stephanie O'Day, she is a genius with the crock pot and she has an amazing blog and recipes all about She's like, I get up in the morning and just put stuff in the pot. And then by dinner, we have a nutritious meal. So as you said, mom, simple foods that don't actually need a lot being done. Maybe you cook some rice, you have some fresh veggies, you put them in the oven. So yes, of course, it can take a really long time and it's a lot of prep and it can feel easier to outsource that or to cut corners with that. But I think with just a little bit more time and intention around it up front, not necessarily all the time. There are ways to figure out how to make it work for you and systems. As far as the kids and having them with you or being with them, but feeling like you're in the kitchen all the time, is there a way that you can set up your kid in the kitchen, at the kitchen counter with whatever they're playing with just to be with you in the room? Or can you get them involved in the kitchen prep at all? Or is there a way that you can, I don't know how your house is specifically, but can you rearrange something to where, you know, you can just solve that problem? Might be out of the box. Maybe you take veggies in the living room and chop them on the coffee table or something. Make it work for you. Figure out systems that work for you. And don't necessarily feel like you have to fit into something that someone else says. Figure out what's important to you. What's going to be the lowest barrier to entry to get you to do it? And again, Stephanie O'Day is a great resource for this, specifically with the with the cooking and the meal prep and the planning, because that's also something that I am figuring out. I'd also like to add in here that over the years, as our family and household has moved more towards real food eating, we've done a lot less eating out and ordering food, like takeout food. Not only have we spent 
way, way less money over the years, I think, on, on meals. Because I remember like, you know, when we lived in the the suburbs, there was a lot of eating out, a lot of takeout. And that has slowed way, way down. But the other thing that I've noticed is now when we do do an occasional takeout, the amount of waste that comes with food delivery, I personally experience. It's very, very stressful. And part of it is because I understand, you know, what happens to most of those containers. Most of it's non-recyclable. It goes straight in the landfill. And I'm just kind of overwhelmed with how much waste one family meal can generate from takeout. That is not to to judge or shame anybody that has to do this. I understand that, you know, you got to do what you got to do. What I am saying is that I recognize the stress that that added on me and the anxiety on me. Literally, it, it makes me anxious. So now, you know, when the suggestion comes up, oh, let's order such and such. I take that into account. And sometimes it's appropriate. Sometimes it's what needs to happen. I mean, we all know there are circumstances. But also, if it doesn't need to happen, and I personally can skip that stress and anxiety and waste, that's good for me. That's a good slow living moment for me. It's just taking that in mind. And that extends also to things I buy, the packaging, and how I'm going to deal with that. Over the years, I have noticed how that affects my decision making on what I want to bring into the house. And the more you practice these things and the more you learn, we talk a lot about it on the good dirt, the more you'll find yourself really unconsciously adapting to this type of thinking, this type of lifestyle, which we think is part of slow living. Absolutely. So just doing a little check-in here. We do want to do a few more rapid fire. We got some more interesting questions about slow living and sustainability. And then we want to chat a little bit about the slow living challenge before we wrap up for today. So much more to be discussed here, but for the sake of getting this all in. To your exact point, mom, one of our questions comes from living in a city and having this fast-paced sort of everything delivered all the time life. I don't know if this person's speaking specifically about food or other things, packages and such. I would just say to that, because I also live in a city and have seen personally a relationship with packages and delivery go down. I just decided, like you said, at some point that even though it can feel in the moment much more convenient to click something and have it delivered to your house. You don't think about it. I don't know if it's this mindset of like, I want to support local businesses or I actually like, in my head, I convinced myself it's actually more convenient if something is close by and on my way to something else to go physically pick up an item and purchase it from an establishment than like wait even just a couple of days. So a big example of this is our local hardware store. Many local hardware stores carry not just hardware stuff, like a lot of stuff, they're like a general store. And so I find myself almost weekly going to the local hardware store for whatever it might be. And you know what? It might feel like on the screen, it's technically a couple more dollars in the moment. You know, maybe it's not as cheap as Amazon, but I do think that if I refrain from from just, oh, I just need it right now, deliver it now. And I say, I'm going to go into the world. And, you know, maybe I'll visit my local coffee shop too and do this errand. And then when I get back, I'll have the thing. I will have supported a local employee owned business and I won't have to deal with the cardboard box after it's at my house. That's the biggest 
thing for me with the delivery packages is the cardboard boxes and dealing with those. That's one little thing that I've done to help with the influx of convenience and delivery and things just coming in all the time is just deciding that actually in a lot of ways, it's more convenient to just go get it. Maybe not, maybe not every time, but I prefer that. I'm going to offer flip to that. Earlier, you know, I was talking about food delivery, but someone answered our Instagram questions about slow living. What about Amazon? And I think you're talking about Amazon, actually. And so we live rurally. If there's an item I need that could save me a lot of driving around and looking, especially when I don't know quite know where to do this item, I choose that. I feel like that's the more slow living thing for me. To see the item that I know I need and I know where to get it, and I can wait two or three days for it. I'm not in that big of a hurry. So in my life, in my slow living place, there is a place for that. The danger is it's so easy to look on there and just start clicking on all these things that I don't really need. And then comes the overwhelm. Yeah. Then comes all the packaging and all this stuff. And why did I order this? And this is not what it looked like and all yeah. that. So there's definitely a place for all of this. It's just a matter of being conscious of your own needs and being mindful enough to make those decisions. I well, think. what I would say to that is, you know, and I get obviously sometimes Amazon is unavoidable, but maybe you don't order it from Amazon. Like you can order it straight from the company, even if they're also on Amazon, you know, you can order it from a different website. Also, I have a specific memory of actually living at the farm. This comes into my head a lot. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but it was the porch before, you know, before we pushed the porch out was when the porch was really small. You were looking for a, like a rod to hang maybe a curtain or something and you knew exactly what you wanted and you got it on Amazon. And I remember thinking we can probably, you know, get that at the hardware store that you do have locally. It's not that far away from you, but it was just too easy to say, oh, I know Amazon, I'll get it. I'll be here in two days. And then it came and it was a total piece of crap. And you were so upset about like, oh, like why did I, you know, it's just one of those things where if you slow down and you're like, okay, I think I need this thing, but also maybe how else could I get this? Or maybe not even go to the hardware store, but like go out in the shed and see if we have the thing. All that to say, not to like out you, mom, I do the same thing all the time, but it's just so easy to default to that. And I think part of slow living is just being aware of that default and trying to not go there. For sure. Undoubtedly, there are mail order fails. And then you, oh, do I send it back? And you, oh yeah, then that's a big hassle too. No, yeah completely all-inclusive. Maybe it's something, if you feel like you have to order something, maybe you make it like your third option. And you're like, I have to think of two other ways to solve this problem. And if I really can't do it, or if I can't access either of those things, then I can let myself order this or something. I don't know. I really appreciate that question though. It's a hard one. There's no yes or no. It all boils down to you're paying attention to what your needs are and how things make you feel. Yeah. Definitely. Let's see. Another one was, oh, also about kids and being surrounded by instant gratification. Not to totally simplify this one, but my first reaction is, yes, kids are surrounded by instant gratification. I think I know the type of instant gratification that you're talking about. And it's probably not the slow living kind because or else you wouldn't think that this was a slow living issue. But I would say show them the instant gratification of going somewhere to watch a beautiful sunset or baking something delicious that, you know, might take a little bit longer than watching a funny video or something. But kids are so excited by things that 
we take for granted often. Showing kids more stuff in the realm of slow living and, you know, more nature and stuff like that might feel really obvious to us and like we don't even think about it, but they are so excited. They might not have been shown that before or they might not recognize that milk comes from a cow and what exactly that means, you know? So there's so many I just think that's actually such a great way to not only bring kids into slow living, but bring yourself into slow living through letting yourself sort of rediscover how awesome the world is. That's a fun one. Thank you for asking that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And and to your point about, you know, taking the kids to go watch a sunset, I can see kids of a certain age thinking, oh, that's really lame. I can remember my mom, we would be on a car trip and my mom would make my dad pull over so we could look at a view. And I remember thinking, oh, what? You know, we just need to get there. We don't need to look at that view. And what sticks in my mind is that, you know, being together as a family, going somewhere together, my mom insisting that we appreciate our surroundings. And even if in the moment, as like a 12-year-old or something, I would roll my eyes, that was just a really important thing for my mother to do. And it's that act of appreciating my surroundings very much a part of me today and doing something as a family, going somewhere as a family. Yeah. I guess if you feel like in the moment it is not being appreciated, take heart. heart (laughs) It's still important. It's in there. We should touch on the thing about the pets. We had someone say, I have three dogs. How do I live sustainably as a pet owner? There's a lot of things involved in being a pet owner. I would say, especially in a city, the biggest one is that every single time your dog does number two, you have to take a plastic bag and pick it up and put it in the landfill. I just don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to say about that. I don't that. I don't know what to do about that. I will say on the market, there are like more quote unquote sustainable options. There's more like paper picker upper bags. That's probably a little better, but you know, ultimately they're still going in a trash can. I would say if you are not in a city or a neighborhood or a place that like really requires you to pick up poop, if there's any way that your dog could go in a bed of pine straw or a pile of leaves and it's like truly not going to bother anybody, leave it if possible. Just leave it like the any all animals in nature, you know, leave it. Obviously, that is not the answer in many cases. But sometimes if it's in a if it's an appropriate place under a bush or something and no no one's going to step in it or anything, I will, you know, maybe take a nearby pile of leaves and cover it up. And that's just much more sustainable than picking it up with plastic and throwing it away. So that's the big one. Definitely don't have any answers there, except I have seen on the market, there are more options for the bags. You know, if they say compostable and such, obviously, as we know, any industrial compostables aren't actually going to be composted unless you put them in the proper receptacle. And then in that case, a lot of like garden composting places don't let you put in waste like that. So just don't get hoodwinked. You're very courageous to bring that up because there might be a lot of people out there saying, oh my gosh, you know, it's irresponsible to leave it. Well, sure. A lot of times it is. Many times. It is. And and just to kind of reframe what you said just a little bit, there is a responsible place way out of the way, you know, underneath organic material. And it, the next rain that comes, it's going to go back into the earth. To me personally, now, you know, people can write us and tell us how wrong we are about this. That's okay. We're all learning. But for me personally, that is much more sustainable than putting it in a plastic bag and putting that plastic bag in the trash with 
millions and billions of other plastic bags full of dog waste that are never going anywhere in the landfill. They're not going to break down. They're not going to biodegrade. It is there essentially, practically, for all practical purposes, for a very, very long time. So to the point, this is, you know, you have to be super discerning in this situation, but we just have to use our heads, people, and a lot of common sense going on here. But aside from that situation, something we do, a lot of you guys are going to say, oh no, can't do that. But just hear me out here. Make our own dog food. And sounds like, oh, how, you know, I have enough trouble feeding the kids. How am I going to make food for the dog? But we have just discovered that it's a great way to save time and money and it's more sustainable. You don't have all this packaging waste and all of this. Just make big batches of dog food. Yeah, definitely batch it. You don't like make them every meal. Oh yeah. No, big batches. Like you're only doing like you're doing it maybe once or twice a week. You're filling up a crock pot and you're making all the food at once and then it's there and you dish it out for the dog. And there are all kinds of dog and cat foods out there now that are super fancy and claim high nutrition and better for your pet and all of this. And it's all true. Your dog will benefit from real food, dog and cat. And whatever critters you have, benefit from real food the same way you and your family do. You can shop real food, high nutrient meals for your family. It can also happen for your pets. Again, you sort of have to make a routine out of it and fit it into your kind of a rhythm of your life, but it's a big payoff. Make your own food. Definitely. And I think we published a recipe for for dog food in the almanac. Not too long ago. We might have to revive that. So yeah, that is a good one. I'm trying to think of all the ways, I guess, like messes, pet messes, you know, it's hard to not use paper towels and plastic bags and things like that as having a dog with digestive issues. Been there. It's tricky. But as much as you can, we do have paper towels in the house for when we like really need them. But I'm talking about personally, I don't think my mom has any paper towels, but it's pretty surprising how much you are actually able to pick up with just cloths and towels and it might be a little bit more laundry but it is definitely less trash we have a pile of old ripped towels that are just specifically for those kinds of messes and we go through them pretty regularly just you know wiping up the muddy floor or wiping the dog's muddy paws or whatever so we do fine without the paper towels but there is something i want to say about pet ownership and sustainability and slow living specifically is that our beloved pets contribute greatly to our sense of well-being and peace. And I know in our experience, our pets over the years have brought such a, an enormous amount of moments of slowing down. You know, you cuddle with your dog, you play with your dog, the dog's on long walks, the cat is sitting on your lap, the cat, you know, the scenario where you can't get up because the cat's on your lap and is purring and you don't want to bother the cat. So you sit there for a while and the examples of this go on and on and they're good for us. Studies have shown that pet ownership can greatly enhancing to our sense of well-being and, you know, they lower blood pressure, they make us laugh, they make us have fun. So can't underestimate the value of our beloved pets in our quest for slow living. Now, it's not all relaxation and laughter and cuddles. We all know that. It's a responsibility, it's an expense, and there's a lot to owning a pet, but there is a payoff. I just wanted to Yeah, well said. Like slow living itself, it can be a responsibility, take a little bit of planning. It can cost a little bit and what we feel to be time and money, but in the end, it's a big payoff, so... 
Very well said. I think we should go ahead and jump to the slow living challenge and explain what it is and how we're excited to engage with it this year and how folks can join us if they're interested. You go for it, Emma. All right. So every year around this time, sort of late winter, we find ourselves going back to the Slow Living Challenge, which has been such a fun way to connect with the community and anyone looking to slow down and live slower. And this year will be no exception. We are doing it just slightly later this year. In the past, we've done it maybe even late January, early February, sort of more in wintertime. This year, it'll be the three weeks leading up to spring, the spring equinox. So it'll be right at the very end of winter. And I was thinking about this, how it's a little bit of a juxtaposition because spring feels like such a ramp up time. You know, things are finally warming up and we're coming out of our cocoons. And especially in the real world, in school and everything, spring can just be like, really crazy. So I think it's a great time to do this living challenge sort of right before that to really prep and to really take this last little bit of winter for what it is and appreciate it. So we are starting on March 4th. Technically will be the first day of the Slow Living Challenge and the Slow Living Challenge will come in the form of an email with weekly prompts daily prompts for the week. And you will be able to sign up for the Solo Living Challenge to make sure you're getting these emails in the link in our show notes. We'll be sending them out through Substack, which will be our new sort of publishing home for all things Lady Farmer. And you'll be able to get the Good Dirt updates through Substack as well. And the Substack newsletter is called The Almanac. So everything we've been doing with the community and on The Almanac, it's been on a different platform, but we're moving it all to Substack. And this will be a great way to get on the list and to get everything. The Soul Living Challenge is free. Our newsletter on The Almanac will always be free. There will be a paid tier for a bit more fun things that you can read about on the Substack. But for this Soul Living Challenge time, to participate is completely free and you will have weekly prompts, weekly inspiration. Every week of the challenge will be featuring someone who inspires us to slow down and experience slow living. And then there will also be a chance to interact with one another in the comments of the Substack posts, as well as on Instagram. So we'll be posting ourselves on Instagram. We'll be sharing all of your posts and how you're slowing down and engaging with the daily prompts. So look for all of that and sign up at the link in the show notes. Even if you're already on our list, you can sign up to make sure you get the Slow Living Challenge emails. And that is the Slow Living Challenge for 2024, March 4th through March 22nd. That is so exciting. (laughs) How are you feeling about this year's Slow Living Challenge, Mom? I'm looking forward to it. I always do always enjoy it. It's just it's a good reset. It's a reminder. And as we were saying earlier, slow living is a journey. It's a quest. It's not something you wake up one day and you're there. You can always go deeper into it. Yeah. You can always explore different aspects of it. But yeah, I feel like I really need it this year. So I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. It's been a year for us and our family and there are adventures to come. This just popped in my head, kind of random, but a quick fun like so living nugget for you. If you have the Libby app, which is like your library app, you can rent for free audiobooks and Mm -hmm. any ebook. I use it for audiobooks and ebooks, which I don't like love ebooks a ton. I do read them. My favorite thing is the magazine rack because you don't have to like wait to check them out. Like if someone has a magazine checked out or I've never had to wait to check it out. So you can just peruse these magazine racks and libraries have all the magazines. And if you have something like an iPad, 
which I do, which is kind of a nice bigger tablet screen. It's so fun to flip through a magazine on your iPad and you just save so much money. And to me, it's a really beautiful way to slow down. And I used to love like collecting magazines but those just pile up really fast. <laughs> a lot of recycling and stuff. And so specifically, what made me think of it is the Cooks Illustrated from America's Test Kitchen. Those magazines that are so gorgeous. Sometimes I'll get that as a treat at the grocery store, but all of those are on the Libby app. You know, there's no like advertisements on the inside and it's a lot of, it's all illustrated, obviously, and a lot of great cooking tips. And it's just so fun to look at. That's one of my favorites, the living things. Oh, that brings to mind, you know, we were talking about slow living with kids. And I think we forget about libraries, actually, about going to the physical library with the kids. And that is a wonderful slow living outing. You can get books for free. There are activities. It's kind of a community gathering place. If you go frequently, you'll find out what sort of events they have. So just a little public service announcement. In our quest for slow living as a family with kids or not, I still go to the library. Check out your local library for all kinds of wonderful free treats. Go get your physical copy of the magazine. At two. Yeah. Yeah. So we live in this wonderful world, y'all, that offers us all of these opportunities. It's really just a matter of kind of sorting through it all, deciding what brings you that sense of presence and peace and loving your life every day and enjoying all of these moments, these string of moments that are put together to become your days and your weeks and months and your years. And your life. Absolutely, <laughs> your life. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you for joining us this Friday. Thank you for being up for something a little bit different. We're excited to do more of these, more kind of deep dives with just us two. And we will be back next week with another interview. And we can't wait to see you in the Soul Living Challenge and on Substack. Yes, come thank in. Thank you for being a part of the Lady Farmer Good Dirt Almanac community. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for tuning in, calling in, and spreading the good dirt. We love hearing from you. You can reach our listener voicemail at 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. You can find this number in our show notes and in our Instagram profile. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at We Are Lady Farmer. That's We Are Lady Farmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye.